How many of you have had the following conversation? You can pick any topic, by the way. It doesn't make a difference what the topic is. Uh, it, I probably shouldn't ask you this because if you've had a conversation with me, you've probably had this conversation. Uh, but the conversation, regardless of topic, goes something like this. Uh, we'll just, I'll just throw in a, uh, some random things because this, this can be any, any topic. So uh, it was 1998, uh, and we were going to, I can't remember, we must have been going to uh, Montana. I think we had the, the, the red car. No, no, wait, it, it couldn't have been, it couldn't have been 98 because, uh, because, uh, I think Benjamin was born. So, so it must have been, must have been a couple years after that. No, no, but we didn't have, uh, I didn't have, you didn't, you didn't have that dress then. So it must have been something different, right? Uh, and so this, this is the type of con- You ever had a conversation like that where the details become more important than the actual story that you're trying to tell? So I, I get off onto a detail and I just, I can't continue the story, the anecdote, the whatever it is, because the details become way, way too important. And, uh, well, at, at some point, I lose what it was I was talking about, a lot of times I, I, I finally figure out what the detail was and I can remember that it was 1998 because I had the red... I've never owned a red car, by the way. Uh, it's completely random. But, but I, I've remembered that I had the, the red car in 1998 and so... Uh, and I forgot the story. I get, I get so far off onto the thing that was not important. and I attach details, I attach significance to details uh, that really... They have no importance whatsoever. Uh, we do this all the time uh, in, our, in our lives. Uh, we have different things. Uh, every one of you in your house has a box. Well, actually, you probably have a bunch of boxes uh, that, that illustrate the same thing. You have boxes now that you never look at the stuff in this box. Uh, but these boxes are, are really important. Uh, and the only time that you ever actually look at these boxes are when you're moving. Uh, you, have, you know what these boxes are before I even tell you what they are, what's in them. Uh, now, some of you are good about making sure you don't have these boxes. Some of you are, are naturally good at, at, at getting rid of stuff. But a lot of us have these boxes. And, and in these boxes are items of clothes um, that are very small, right? Uh, or, or little mementos, little photos, or uh, stuff like that. And these, these boxes are memories, memories of our kids. They were little, they did something. And so we've preserved little mementos and we attach significance to these mementos, right? And um, so, so we attach and make important things that really aren't important. That, 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 that article of clothing really has no value, but it's what the kid was doing while he was wearing that has the value. And we, we as a society now are, are really into uh, making memories, preserving memories. Preserving memories is a big business. Look on your phone and, and think about, especially those with kids uh, or, or grandkids, uh, you, you look at those photos and you scroll through and you, you, you can... You can just see there's thousands and big, I mean, I, I need to upgrade my phone to, so that I have 128 gigs and, and, and all this stuff. Why? Because of all these photos and I have to have, I have to pay for a cloud to put my, put all these photos on and you have photos and photos and photos and you never look at the photos. 
When you do have a photo, you want to look. I have a photo uh, because I, I can't figure out how to change my password. I'm not techno guy. I can't figure out how to pa- uh, change the password on my on my wireless um, uh, internet at the house. So I have I still have the 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 thing that I've, I've I've come close to memorizing. Every once in a while, I forget it, and uh, uh, you know, someone comes. We have a visitor, and I have to. Uh, what's your password? I don't feel like going downstairs to where my wireless router is. Uh, and so I've taken a picture of my, my passcode to my wireless router. And so whenever I want that um, to give to somebody, I have to thumb through my photos. And there's thousands of photos because I, I'm so into preserving photos. I kid did this and, and you have to, every, every Christmas present, they opened up a Christmas and we got, we've got like the, like the, the, the video where we've got a, a photo of that him with this wrapping paper and that wrapping paper and, and this box and that box. And we have to preserve every photo. Uh, and, and so when I want to find the the passcode to my to my internet, it takes me forever to thumb through this, and, and it's just one of thousands and thousands of photos on my thing. So every once in a while, I have to go through and you know you can't you can't uh, sync your phone because you don't have any more memory. No, so I have to delete all my photos because preserving photos is preserving memories is so important. Sometimes it's so important. Have you ever done this that you've missed the moment? Trying to preserve it. Have you ever done that? Have you? Yeah, you're trying to. I, I, I'm trying to get to the to the phone, and I'm trying to get the. And the moment passes. I didn't even get to enjoy the moment. I didn't even get to see them making the face or doing the thing or whatever the funny thing was because I was trying to preserve it. And we do that. Why? Because we've attached significance to something that actually has no significance. We've gotten sidetracked from the main issue, and we do that. We're going to be talking about two people uh, today that did that. Um, I know typically when, when we're going through these texts, uh, we're looking at uh, as we, we, something that we've read from the last week. I'm going to use a text that was actually technically from the week before uh, to set up the one that we want to look at. Uh, so we're going to begin in 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel and chapter 7 is where we're going to begin. Verse 1, he says, Now it came to pass when the king was living in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, that the king said to Nathan the prophet, See, now I dwell in a house of cedar. But the ark of God just is inside a, a tent of curtains. And Nathan said to the king, Well, do everything's in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But it happened that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, This is what the Lord says. Would you build a house for me to live in? I've not lived in a house to this day. But I have moved around about in the tent and the tabernacle. And wherever I have moved around with all the children of Israel, I have have I ever spoken a single word to anyone from any of the tribes of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel and saying, Why haven't you built me a house of cedar? Like us, David attached significance to something that had no significance whatsoever. We love the church building. And, and David, to put this in modern terms, said, God, you need a nice church building. And you need a nice church building. I, I live in a nice house, and I have that, that nice paneling on the walls, and, and I want to make you a nice house. We attach significance 
the things we can see. And God, God says, I don't care about a house. What kind of house are you going to live, build for a God who created everything to live inside of? You can't build that house. That's impossible to build that house. So God never asked for it. We attach significance to the building. Let me tell you something about a, a buildings. I, I remember um, a time where uh, I, I had moved to a different location, and cultures are a little bit different in different locations. And, and I had come into, I was just in the foyer. I was just in the foyer, but I had my baseball hat on. Uh, and uh, you would have thought that uh, I had brought the uh, altar of, or, you know, an idol of Molech into the building was sacrificing pigs on it. Now, yeah, that's, that was the degree of uh, severity. I wasn't even in the sanctuary. I was in the foyer. Imagine if I would have got through the second set of doors, what would have happened? Right? Uh, we, we attach significance to stuff with no meaning, especially when it is the building. Um, we make rules. And, 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 attach, and, and by the way, some, some rules are good. Some rules are good uh, concerning the building, and I don't want to... But we, we attach significance, and then we have rules to protect the thing that we've attached significance to. Some rules are good. I mean, I'm not saying that all rules are bad and all policies to, to do with the building or whatever are bad. You know, for example, uh, if we said, um, please, if you're going to bring coffee in, please make sure it's in a sealed container, no open containers. Um, you know, we, we got nice, nice carpeting or whatever. But that's not a bad rule. There's, there's reasons why you would have that. For example, I was in, we didn't have carpeting when I was in college. We, our, our, our chapel uh, didn't have uh, carpeting. It was just this old nasty asbestos tile, I'm pretty sure. And we, had, we had theater seating. It was like that, that small, it was like so old, you, you, you kind of wondered if the people that lived, you know, however long ago they had and developed this theater seating, they must have been really small people because they like wedged myself. I'm not that big of a guy. And, and I had to wedge myself into this chair. And, you know, for, for, four years of, uh, for four years of my college time, I don't think I really tasted coffee. Now, every day I got a coffee. And here's what I did. I had a ritual that I did. Come over to the coffee machine. I'd get my coffee, put that nasty coffee creamer, powder stuff. We're not sure where it comes from. Uh, and, and I would go over to my, my little tiny theater seat, and I'd bend over here, and we'd put that down right between my feet. And I was, I'd watch it. Okay. Uh, and I knew where it was. It was my coffee. And when chapel would start, I'd have my coffee. Uh, now, there's a, a tradition in the Church of Christ that we have to do. We have to, like... Stand up and then sit down. We have to stand up again. Third stanza. We'll, we'll skip this stand. We're going to stand up again. Okay, you can sit down and stand up. I've often wondered what people who, you know, if a deaf person would walk into church, you know, and, and, and we had, you know, a service for the hearing impaired or whatever, and they, and they came in and, and they just saw us doing this and they didn't know we were singing. What would they do? What would they They'd see us stand up and sit down? But we do that. So every day, We'd stand up, you know, during, and, and inevitably, I would do this. I'd go, oh, and there goes my coffee, right? And uh, it would be, 
you know, the poor person standing behind me would have to jump out of the way as the coffee splashes back at him. I actually trained. This is not. This is not a lie. Uh, there's people you could you could call and and I could give you the phone number and you could you could ask if this is true. By the time I graduated, I'd trained people not to sit behind me in chapel, right? Because it was a thing. And they laughed. It was because it was inevitable. I was gonna you know halfway through chapel or whatever, halfway through the song service, I was gonna be running to the bathroom for paper towels to wipe up my coffee. So, so there's sometimes where it's good to have some rules like, Andrew, no coffee in the chapel or whatever. But, but the, the problem would be when, when we would start attaching significance or spiritual significance to the rules. And sometimes we attach spiritual significance to these types of rules. It wasn't wrong to want a temple. It wasn't wrong. But the, they started, David and, and Solomon after him, started to attach special significance and spiritual significance. Uh, and we start to do this with, with rules and, and with physical things that have no importance. So God says, did I ever ask for this? Did I ever once ask for a church building? I don't recall asking you for a church building. And so David and Solomon didn't sin in what they were doing. That's an important thing. Uh, to understand here. This is important. They did something that was not specifically stated. And yet they didn't sin. And I want to make a distinction here. I want to say something. That I'm going to give you a little freebie. A little extra this morning. Um, God did not ever say once that they sinned. We have, and I've heard this, uh, I, I heard this uh, at Bible college, and, and I've heard this since, and I've heard it before. When we establish doctrine, when we say, this is, this is how you know we should do something or not do something, this is, this is, we look at four sources in descending order. The most important would be a direct command, right? If God says, do it, you do it. <clears throat> this, the second one is principle. There are a lot of principles where God doesn't say exactly the specific thing you have to do, but by, by reading the principles of things, we would, we would understand what we're supposed to do. So, for example, love one another. That's not a specific thing that tells me I have to do this, this, and this, but I can, I can say, okay, is this a loving thing to do? Okay, then I should probably do it. Is it love? No, it's not a loving thing. You should probably avoid that, right? That's a principle. And so, so there's a direct command, don't murder. Okay, that, that's pretty simple to follow. Uh, okay, love one another. That's a little bit harder. To, I have to apply it, but that's, that's the second way. There's another thing of where we establish something that's true or false, and that would be through prophecy. Now, we got, we're starting to get a little tricky here uh, because prophecy requires some, some interpretation of, of what was being said, and, and you can, you can kind of be a little sketchy with, with prophecy. It's, it's, it's a little bit more difficult. Um, and then the fourth one is what we call example. So we, we look at examples of, of things that people did. And so we say, well, in, in Acts they did this, or in Acts they did that. Uh, so we should do that. I'm going to tell you that I'm going to say something, and you're, you're going to be a little suspicious. Some of you are going to be a little suspicious of what I'm saying. Uh, so, so let me say it, and then I'll explain it so that, that you, you don't feel like you need to kick me out or something here. That last one's not true. 
You can't determine anything by example. Now, I'm not saying that example can't confirm an existing truth or confirm something that we've established as doctrine. But example simply cannot be used to determine what we should or shouldn't do just because someone did something. Stating that someone did something is just merely stating a fact, that there's no implication of this is what you're supposed to do unless there are some statements that go along with that that suggest that God was trying to tell us this is what you should do. But it would be those statements that would establish that. It would not be just merely the fact that people did it. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. We have an example that Paul preached till midnight. But I have yet, I have yet to be in a church where people said uh, and, and, and so, cited as a source example of, of what the apostles did and the example of Acts and said, you know what, we need more sermons till midnight. Well, no one would do that. Why isn't example important there? Well, because that would be incredibly inconvenient. Right? Well, we don't do that because example doesn't prove anything. Example can confirm something. If there was an indication somewhere that, that sermons should be preached till midnight, that would be an example that would support a statement that would of something we should or shouldn't be doing. But uh, this is just, as I said, this is just a freebie. Uh, and, and what I'm saying, the, the direct connection to what we're talking about, is that David and Solomon wanted to do something that they were never told to do. But it wasn't a sin. There's a lot of things that, that we can choose to do that are not sins to do. And there's this idea that it's called the silence of the Scripture, making an argument from the silence of the Scripture, right? Uh, where if God didn't tell us we can do it, then we can't do it. That's, a, that's an argument that, that goes around uh, in, in churches. Uh, and, and that is obviously not true because David and Solomon wanted to do something that God says in this text, I never, I have never asked for a temple ever. And yet, they didn't sin by wanting to do this. God allows them to go ahead and do this, even though he never asks for this building. He said, oh, I'll use it. I'll use it as an illustration. You can, you can do this. That's fine. It's not a sin. But I want you to look at verse 7. Because verse 7 establishes what God wanted. Verse 7 he says, But I've always moved around with my people. This is what God wanted. He wanted to move around with his people. What God wanted was not to be put in a box. God did not want to be put in a building. God did not want people to think that he was in a building. But God wanted to be with his people. From the time he made Adam and Eve, God has wanted to be with his people. And so we're going to turn to 1 Kings. As we talk about God's house and, and 
God being with his people, we understand that we are God's house. And so, uh, look at 1 Kings chapter 5. We're going to begin also in verse 1. This is a shorter text that we're going to read. 1 Kings 5, 1 through 5, it says, Now Hiram, king of Tyre, sent his servants to Solomon because he heard that they had anointed him king in place of his father, for Hiram had always loved David. And so Solomon sent to Hiram and said, You know how my father David couldn't build a house for the name of the Lord his God because of the wars which were fought against him on every side until the Lord put his foes under the soles of his feet. But now the Lord my God has given me rest on every side. There is neither adversary nor evil occurrence. And behold, I propose to build a house for the name of my Lord my God as the Lord spoke to my father David saying, Your son, whom I will set on your throne in your place shall build a house for my name. I want you to look and understand something as we look at this house. The first thing about this house, God said, okay, you want to do this? Fine, do it. It's not what I asked for, but if you want to do it, it's not a sin. We already covered that ground. But he said, David, you can't do it. There's been too much violence. And my house has to be a house of peace. We've read a lot of texts about David, and I think probably having read a lot of these, these chapters and that we've read over the last several weeks about David, we probably have a slightly different view of David. Uh, he's not the six-year-old, nice little six-year-old boy from, from David and Goliath. <clears throat> and, and we know some of the more unpleasant stories by heart, but probably in reading this you've, you've uncovered a few more unpleasant stories that you didn't know of. But in reading large sections of, of David's life daily, we come to appreciate the massive amounts of blood that David shed. God says, sorry, you can, you can draw the schematics for it, but you're not going to build it. Peace means something to God. It means several things, actually, as we're talking about being a house of peace. Notice verse 4. He says there is peace or rest on every side. Rest on every side. This is a place, not the building, but, but the gathering of people together is God's house. And God says, I want the place where I am, where I, I want to come and be with my people wherever they are. I want to be with my people that's what God wants. He says, I want my house to be a place of rest on every side. That's what peace is. A place where we come for rest. We like to come for rest. We like to come. This is why we encourage midweek groups. This is why we encourage stuff. Uh, we have a number of different groups that meet during the week in different locations. And, and one of the reasons we encourage that is because it's, it's nice to get away from, from that oppressive mentality where you're around things that you they, they're just not the way you think they're not the way you live that they are opposed to your faith and, and it's nice to have a break other than just sunday it's nice to have a break in the middle of there and just say oh i'm around people that are sane right 
There's some sanity. There's some. There's some. There's some substance in this group, where I can be free from from the oppression of of this. There's rest. But when we come together, it's important that when we come together, there's still peace on every side. Can you look to your left and your right, in front of you and back of you? Is there peace on every side? This is a place where there's no more rivalries between one another. This is supposed to be a place where there's, where there's no conflicts. There's rest on every side. The scriptures, it's stated a little bit different, but Jesus in the New Testament, he says, Blessed are those who are called peacemakers. Peacemakers. Peace does not always come naturally. It has to be made. So make your peace. If there is someone in here, and between you there is not rest, then make your peace. So that we can truly say that there is rest on every side. And then this can be a house of rest. But, but while there's something between people, this is not a, a house of rest. And other people feel it. And we feel the division and we feel the lack of unity. Let this be a house of rest. He said in that same verse, there is rest on every side. Neither is there evil Occurrence. The things that we do as a part of God's house. There's, there's no evil. There is no peace when there is sin. There can be no peace when there's, when there's wrongdoing. There can be an illusion of peace. We can, we can, we can dress ourselves up and come and, and, and we, can, we can pretend that everything's good and, and everything's wonderful. But there can really be no true peace while there is evil occurrence. And so, we're going to leave this as a, a slightly shorter message. But as we conclude, I want, to, want you to ask yourself, is this really a house of peace? What have I done to promote peace? Not just, not just okay, I haven't done anything to destroy peace. But what have I done to promote peace? Uh, a lot of times we look at this like, I'm not a part of the problem. And that's good. It's good not to be a part of the problem. But I've just kind of stepped back out of the way. I, I realize that there's something that needs to be done, but I don't want to get into it. Maybe you, there's nothing between you and anybody. But if you know of somebody who has issue with somebody, have you been a peacemaker? Have you done something to promote peace? If there is something between you and somebody else, or somebody else and you, depending on you know how we're looking at that, maybe you're the victim, maybe you're the perpetrator. I don't know, but but uh, but if there is something, obviously that's something to to take care of. But even if not, even even if everything's going great with you, if you know of something, there's a job to do for peacemakers. Blessed are those who are. Called peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. They will be a part of God's family. They'll be a part of God's house, right? It's the same, it's the same statement. And God wants to go 
with us, but he can only go with us if we are a house of peace. What is going on then in my life? This is the other question I want to leave you with. What is going on in my life? Because maybe, maybe it's not something going on between me and somebody else. Maybe there's nothing between me and anybody else. Maybe I get along with everybody just grit. But maybe there's something going on internally. And God says, it's not just that it has to be a, a house of rest, but, but this also needs to be a house of no evil occurrences. Because when it comes down to it, the relationship that's most important is the relationship between me and God. And for that relationship to be what it can be, there has to be no evil occurrence. So maybe, maybe the peace that I need to make this morning, maybe I need to make my peace with God. Have you made your peace with God? Maybe you've never made your peace with God. Maybe that's where you need to begin. Maybe you've, you've come into the building, but you've, you've never become a part of the building. Maybe you've never become a part of God's house. Make your peace this morning with God. Let it start here as we close in song.